A reading from the book of Genesis. <coughs> After Abraham's return from the de- defeat of Kedalayama and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is, the king's valley. And King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, maker of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him one-tenth of everything. This is the word of the Lord. A reading from the book of Revelation. I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty thunder peals, crying out, Alleluia, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. To her it has been granted to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your comrades who hold the testimony of Jesus. (coughs) Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel is from the Gospel according to John in the second chapter and the first verse. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out, and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom, and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine, after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. 
Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the Gospel of Christ. May the words of our lips, the thoughts of our hearts, and the actions of our lives be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Woman, what's that to do with you? My hour has not yet come. Hmm. Well, he changed his mind pretty quickly, is part of what I think I would say. Um, We were reflecting a bit earlier about where ideas come from and what is the nature of leadership. And if we were to ask the question, who in that encounter had the ideas and the insight and who was the leader, it might not be the way people would uh, automatically assume. Because, presumably, we are to read the conversation as... Mary's mother having the intuition and the insight before he did or at least that's one way of reading it and he nevertheless was able to listen and to hear her intuition so much so that whatever passed between them led her to go straight up so we're to believe to the servants because she knew that although he may have said his hour had not yet come, within a few minutes his hour was going to come. (laughs) And she also knew that whatever was going to come would need the obedience and the action of others. So I think it's always a hugely encouraging account of this first act, this first sign, partly because the very launch, therefore, of Jesus' active ministry actually was triggered by not only need, there was a genuine need at the wedding, what a disgrace and shame for the, for the host, this is part of the problem, of course, you lose face within the culture. So there was a genuine need, as always, it's genuine need that Jesus meets. He washes dirty feet, not pre-washed feet, Um, uh, and it's the needs of you and me he meets and as always it's the context to which he addresses himself and I think again and again we find Jesus discerning the Father's will in the actions, the context he's in and the actions of those around him I was reflecting as well for example the, that extraordinary encounter with the Syrophoenician woman um, and the um, you don't take the children's do- uh, food and throw it to the dogs, yes, but even the dogs eat the scraps from under the table whatever we're to make of that surely at the very least this was not in the pre-script, it wasn't what Jesus had anticipated and yet the encounter and the insight of the woman and her retort and response enables a new development, a new bit. 
I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but also, therefore, beyond. So often, it seems to me, Jesus' discernment of the moment, the insight, however much the trajectory is there, nevertheless, it needs the triggers. And what's more, it's a trajectory that is able to get bigger, it seems to me, in Jesus' own ministry. This is not kind of a foregone conclusion. It's not just part of the prepared video script. It's part of what evolves. It's part of what develops. It's part of God among us, living among us, encountering as we encounter, albeit as God, and listening, tuned in, knowing the promptings of his spirit in the others whom he has made. And not just having to hold it all to himself and do it all himself. That's never God's way. And if people attempted to make it uh, their way in his name, then surely uh, they've got it wrong. We've got it wrong. The intuitions of the other, and as we were reflecting earlier, ideas bubble up in lots of places. Part of our task is to know which of those is of God, to discern them, recognize them, affirm them, go with them, change for us if that's what's needed. It's also what ties in with our whole prophetic strand in our theology and in our scriptures and in that remarkable figure of Melchizedek. Um, as we know, he is remarkable in so many ways. Um, referred to in the Psalms, referred to in the Epistle to the Hebrews, but nowhere else. And yet, of the order of Melchizedek, we say, Christ the priest. And this mysterious figure, who comes from nowhere, with no genealogy, which, of course, for those of you who are students of the Old Testament will know is hugely significant and rare. So it, that adds to the sense of the mystery of the unknown of who is this person? What is his authority? He's king of Salem, king of peace, and he's priest of God Most High, whatever that meant at the time, and however we understand it. And even more significantly, of course, most significantly of all, our father Abraham acknowledges Melchizedek's greatness because it's always the lesser who gives tithe, gives the 10% to the greater. So here is a greater than Abraham. And Abraham recognizes it. Abraham the leader. Abraham the great father of faith. Abraham gives to Melchizedek priest of God Most High, king of peace. And thereby, of course, as the Epistle of the Hebrews explores, gives the foreshadowing and the foretaste of that acknowledgement of the kingship and lordship of Christ. So again, the unexpected for Abraham, but he recognizes it and sees God within it. The unexpected for the servants at the wedding feast. Fill them up to the brim, these great stone water jars. Um, 20 to 30 gallons apiece, six of them, let's say 150 gallons. It's about six bottles of wine to the gallon, so that's 900 bottles. <laughs> six glasses to the bottle, 
five and a half thousand glasses of wine. So, you know, it would have helped the party go with a swing. Um, Part of the point of that surely is that we are invited always to see the abundant generosity of our God. It overflows, that's the point, this transforming work of God. And that's another part, surely, of the significance, the qualitative difference that Christ makes. That he makes, thank God, among us, with us, in us as individuals, in our congregations, in our life together, in his name, in the power of his spirit, transforming, changing us, and changing us with that qualitative difference that he makes, changing us, therefore, with the abundance of his overflowing generosity. Nothing mean, nothing stinted. It's not just, well, this is exactly the amount you need, but have a lot. Make a real party and feast of it. And we're allowed to party and feast because as the epistle, well, the reading from the book of Revelation reminded us, that's part of the foretaste of heaven. Well, we don't have um, 150 gallons, we don't need it. But we have enough. We have what God knows we need. We take the bread and the wine together. We take the bread and the wine in Christ's name break it knowing that he gives it to us and works his presence within it as he works his presence within us so that what we receive in Christ's name in the forms of the bread and wine we receive Christ and that Christ in us changes us from the inside out and continues his transforming and transfiguring of us to live his love and his light his truth and his justice, to live his collaborative way, his shared way that enables the giftings of others in discipleship and ministry for us all to take the parts that uniquely we have within his body. We live it here on earth. We live it in the name of Christ. We live it as part of his redeeming with that focus particularly on the Last Supper, but also the focus on the resurrection meals, which I think so often we forget, of those resurrection meals, of which this is also the foretaste of the risen Christ. And of course, as the Revelation reminds us, the foretaste of heaven, the banquet of the Lamb with the Bride. And as the passage ended, or almost ended, So do we. Worship God.